Greetings and welcome to Little Readers Podcast, dedicated to literacy, listening skills, and a love of reading. Our episode today features a chapter book entitled Flat Stanley's Worldwide Adventures, The Great Egyptian Grave Robbery, written by Sarah Pennypacker, with pictures by Mackie Pamintuan published by Scholastic Incorporated by arrangement with HarperCollins Children's Books in 2009. This episode will be divided with chapter markers, which allow you to decide where to stop, and then you'll easily find your place later on. Flat Stanley is a fun character created by Jeff Brown, and this is the second book in his Worldwide Adventure series. While I'm reading, when new or unfamiliar words pop up in the story, I will stop and explain the meanings to you so you'll be able to understand completely. Let's begin. Chapter 1. A Letter for Stanley George Lanchop was sitting at the kitchen table going through the mail as his wife cooked breakfast. Look at these beauties, Harriet, he called, holding up a letter with many exotic stamps in the corner. From Egypt! Ever since their eldest son, Stanley, had been flattened by a bulletin board and could now travel by mail, the Lamb Chop family had become keenly interested in stamps. Keenly means very focused, always paying attention to stamps. Mrs. Lambchop said, In a minute, dear, I'm just at the difficult part of flipping this French toast. A letter from Egypt, you say? Why don't you open it and read it to me? Mr. Lambchop began to do just that, but then he caught himself. That was a close one, he cried. It's a federal offense to open mail that's addressed to someone else. This letter is for Stanley. Just then, both Lamb Chop boys appeared in the doorway, drawn by the delicious aroma of the French toast and bacon. Stanley, son, there's a letter here for you. Looks important. Stanley's younger brother, Arthur, asked, What about me? Any mail for me today? Not today, sorry, Mr. Lambchop replied. But Stanley, why don't you open yours and read it to us over breakfast? Mrs. Lambchop said firmly, After breakfast and hand washing. You know how maple syrup gets all over everything. The boys finished their breakfast and washed up. Then Stanley opened his letter. He read out loud, if you are the world-famous flattened boy of America, and if you are less than three inches thick, you must come to Egypt at once. We are beginning an archaeological project and are in an urgent need of someone of your dimensions. Now, boys and girls, 
archaeological means digging for fossils and learning the ancient history of the world. Urgent, of course, means it needs immediate attention, like an emergency. And dimensions, those are measurements. Arthur grumbled. I don't know about world famous, he sounded a bit envious. Maybe they've got the wrong person, Stanley sighed. But I am only a half an inch thick. So that's me, all right. Stanley continued. It's signed by Sir Abu Shanti Hawara the Fourth. And look, he's taking care of my travel arrangements. Stanley held up a very large envelope covered with stamps. George Lamchak took the letter and read it over. He said, No mention of Stanley's family going with him. I don't know about this. Well, an archaeological project, it's not as if it's something dangerous. And travel is broadening, George, Mrs. Lamchop mused. Oh, Stanley, darling, I didn't mean it that way. What I meant was, it rounds out one's education. Oh, my, that didn't come out quite right either. Mr. Lambchop replied, Well, your mother and I have always encouraged you boys to lend a helping hand when needed. I suppose that goes even if it's needed halfway around the world. Mrs. Lambchop said, We'd better take you to the post office at once, Stanley. I will pack the leftover French toast and bacon for you to eat on the way. No maple syrup, though. It wouldn't do to arrive all sticky. Stanley asked, something to drink? His mother told him, I think not, dear. Egypt is quite a distance, and I'm afraid you won't be near a bathroom for some time. Which reminds me. And she went off to pack a toothbrush and washcloth for her son's trip. Stanley noticed that Arthur seemed glum. That means sad. He knew Arthur sometimes found it difficult being the only round brother in a family. Would you like me to bring you back something from Egypt? He asked Arthur. Hmm, Arthur replied. If you're going to Egypt, you should bring me back a mummy. I don't believe they offer those as souvenirs. And besides, it wouldn't fit in the envelope with Stanley chuckled the boy's father. Mr. Lambchop was known for his very sharp sense of humor. How about a nice postcard? Mr. Lambchop was known for being a practical thinker, too. Arthur folded his hands across his chest. A mummy or nothing? Stanley was very sorry to see his brother looking so grumpy as he slid himself into the envelope. Chapter 2. Amici the journey was very long, much, much longer than his trip to California. At last he arrived, and just in time, Let me out, please, he cried. I'm broiling in here. Broiling, of course, means very hot. Sorry, came an official-sounding voice. An envelope can be opened only by the person to whom it is addressed. Whoever you are, you will have to wait until you are delivered tomorrow. Just then, Stanley heard another voice, the voice of a young girl. The voice said, that package is flat. Then the voice came closer. You in there? 
it demanded. Do you happen to be Stanley Lambchop of America? I am, Stanley cried in astonishment. But how do you know? The girl said to the postmaster, Open this package. I will take full responsibility. I will hand deliver the contents to its destination. It's an antiquities bazaar right across from my father's office. As soon as the flap was opened, Stanley burst out from the envelope to greet his liberator. Liberator means someone who sets another free. Hello, my name is Amisi, the girl said, smiling. I am very pleased to meet you, Stanley. But how do you know who I am? Amisi smiled even more broadly. She said, My father is the curator of the National Historical Museum. He is also a member of the Museum Curators Worldwide Pen Pal Club. His pen pal is Stanley Guest with Delight. Mr. O.J. Dart, Stanley said. Mr. O.J. Dart was Stanley's upstairs neighbor. He was also the curator of the famous museum, and not long ago, Stanley had helped him out with a certain predicament involving sneak thieves. Now, boys and girls, you may have remembered the previous story where Stanley helped catch the thieves for Mr. O.J. Dart. Now, another word that I need to explain is curator. That is a director of a museum or gallery. And Amisi's father is a curator of a national historical museum in Egypt. Mr. O.J. Dart was also the curator of the famous museum, and not long ago, Stanley had helped him out with a certain predicament or problem involving sneak thieves. Oh, right, Amisi agreed. When Mr. Dart wrote to him about what you did, my father couldn't stop talking about you. He said he wished Egypt had a flat kid who would help out like that in a museum. A kid like that could come in handy, he said. He hung a bulletin board over my bed, hoping that something might happen. But my mother made him take it down again. Well, that's good, Stanley said. Being flat is more trouble than some people imagine it to be. Chapter 3. Walk Like an Egyptian Stanley found being out in the sunshine very pleasant after being cooped up in a dark envelope for so long. Is it always this warm and sunny in Egypt? he asked. Amisi answered. It's not always this warm, but yes, it's usually sunny. It doesn't rain often here, but when it does, we can get downpours. She pointed to a beautiful river in the distance, fringed or bordered with palm trees. She added, sometimes the Nile floods, and in the spring, we can get sandstorms. Amisi was a very good guide. She pointed out mosques, those are places of religious worship, and gardens and historical sites. They stopped at a stall where she treated Stanley to some Egyptian food, falafel, kebabs, and dates. They ate as they walked, and Stanley found it all very tasty indeed. Well, here we are, 
Amici nodded across the street to a narrow alleyway crowded with booths. That's the Antiquities Bazaar you were addressed to. She turned and pointed to a sign above them. It said, National Historical Museum, Amici added. And here's where my father works. Would you like to come in? He'd be so thrilled to meet you. Stanley wanted to get right to work on the archaeological adventure, but he knew being polite and friendly always paid off. He said to Amici, Lead the way, Amici laughed. As they stepped inside, she said, See those hieroglyphs? They'll lead the way. Stanley admired the black images on the wall. Hieroglyphs were the writing system of pictures used by the ancient Egyptians. The people and animals were always drawn sideways, which told which direction to read them. My father had these painted to point the way to his office, Amici explained. As they walked through the rooms in the museum, Stanley saw many amazing things. Golden masks and statues, silver and bronze coins, turquoise and ivory jewelry, beautifully decorated urns and pots. Your country is full of treasures, Stanley marveled. Yes, Amici agreed, but we're losing them. Criminals are looting the pyramids and then exporting the artifacts. My father says they are even worse than sneak thieves. Well, here we are. They entered the office marked Curator. Again, that's the director of the museum. Inside, a very tall, smiling man came over and hugged Amici. She said, Father, this is Stanley Lambchop. Stanley Lambchop, Amici's father repeated, scratching his head. Hmm, now where have I heard that name before? Amici reminded him. Your pen pal's letter. He slapped his head. Holy sarcophagus, the sneak thief's hero? He stood back and he eyed Stanley up and down. Yes, just as old Darty described you. Flat as a pancake. What a thing. That bulletin board, it was hanging over your bed. Is that the story? About how far off the floor was the bulletin board placed? Amici said, Father, remember Mother strictly forbade you trying to flatten me. Forbade means the same as forbidden. Right, of course not. What brings you to our country, Stanley? Stanley explained about the request to help with an important archaeological expedition. Very interesting, said Amici's father. Now, that bulletin board, exactly how heavy was it? Do you recall? Father, Amici said. Of course, I know, I know. It's just that, so simple, really. What a help to the famous museum, really, Stanley. When old Darty explained what you did, how brave you were, Stanley blushed. He really hadn't done much more than hang inside a picture frame and then yell for the police when the sneak thieves sneaked in. He didn't tell Amici and her father this. But what had taken the most courage, actually, was wearing a dress in the painting. May I give you a personal tour of our museum? asked Amici's father. It would be an honor, Stanley said. I'm sure I would enjoy that. But... 
The letter said the situation was urgent. That's an emergency. I think it's time I got to work. He said goodbye to Amici and her father and left the museum. Chapter 4. The Mission The bazaar was colorful with overflowing displays and noisy with the cheerful shouts of buyers and sellers. Booths were piled with antiquities, such as woven rugs and embroidered cloths, ancient pottery and plates, brass lamps, gold jewelry, silver brushes and combs, decorated tablets and scrolls. Everywhere, Stanley smelled incense and perfume and spices. Donkeys brayed and carts jostled the crowds. Now and then, Stanley had to turn sideways to get through without bumping into anything. Sometimes, he reminded himself, sometimes being flat makes me feel lucky. But mostly, he reminded himself back. Mostly being flat just makes me feel, well, flat. He couldn't help wondering which way he would feel at the end of his adventure. If he ever had an adventure, how would he know he was at the right place? How would he find Sir Abu Shenti Awara IV? That was the man who originally wrote him the letter to come to Egypt. Psst! Flatty! You! Flatty Porkchop! Before Stanley could correct whomever was there, an arm shot out and dragged him behind a hanging rug. Come with me, said a man in a dark uniform. Sir's been waiting for you. The man pulled Stanley through the back alleys of the bazaar until they came to a fenced-off tent surrounded by more uniformed men. Inside, even more guards nodded at Stanley and the man and stepped aside. Inside the tent was dark, with clouds of smoke rising from oil lamps and pots of incense. Incense is a compound. When burned, it freshens the room. After a moment, Stanley made out a bearded man in a red robe seated on a gold-embroidered cushion. Sir Abu Shenti Hawara IV clapped his hands and motioned for Stanley to approach, and then he nodded to a guard. Turn him sideways, he ordered, pointing very rudely, Stanley thought, pointing to Stanley. Measure him up. Stanley knew it was important to be polite, even when faced with rudeness. Stanley introduced himself. I am Stanley Lambchop from America. I'm very pleased to meet you, and I hope you're not likely to pop out round in the middle of things, are you? Sir Hawara interrupted. This flatness isn't just a party trick, right? Stanley sighed. No, not so far. The guard had finished the measuring. One half inch, one half inch thick, he reported. Good then, Sir Hawara said. Let's get started. I've been waiting a long time for this. He clapped his hands again, and a half a dozen guards sprang to his side. Several of them spread maps and photographs on the ground, while another lit his pipe. You smoke, Lunchup? Sir Hawara asked. Stanley shook his head no, wondering what his parents might say about this. Too flat, I suppose, Sir Hawara mused. He shook his head and then tapped his pipe on the map in front of him. 
This here is the Great Pyramid of Kafafel, sealed for more than 4,000 years. It is believed that at the center, inside the pharaoh's tomb, are the priceless giant scrolls of papyrus. And you're going to go in and find them. Stanley waved away some of the smoke, Stanley asked. And you're going to go in and find them? Wrong, answered Sir Hawara. You're going to go in and find them. That's why I have brought you here. But I don't know anything about... Stanley began. Sir Hawara ignored him. According to ancient lore, King Kafuffle locked his tomb from the inside to protect it from grave robbers. At the word grave robbers, Stanley began to shiver and broke into goose discs. Since his encounter with the bulletin board, Stanley's goose bumps now came up as flat as the rest of him, more like tiny discs than bumps. Nothing to be alarmed about, Dr. Dan had assured his parents when they noticed this. Perfectly normal in these cases. I've been expecting this. Also, Sir Hawara continued, he had dozens of trick passageways built, leading nowhere. However, he did leave one way out, a passage three inches wide, just wide enough for his soul to escape. He pointed his pipe at Stanley. That's where you come in. I've found the entrance to that passageway. You're going to enter the tomb, find out if the scrolls are really there, and then unlock the tomb from inside. Got it? Stanley nodded. Good. Sir Hawara rose from his cushion and clapped his hands one more time. Saddle up a camel for our flat friend, he ordered a guard. Then he turned to Stanley. One hump or two? Stanley stared at him. That's a joke, Lamchop, Hawara said. We only have one humped camels here in Egypt. Chapter 5 In the Tomb Stanley found that no matter how many humps a camel may have, riding one was no joking matter. The camel lurched. Stanley slipped. The camel bumped. Stanley slid. He finally solved the problem by folding himself over its hump like a blanket. At last, the caravan came to a stop. Stanley fell to the ground and looked up and up and up. Somehow, pyramids had always looked a bit smaller in pictures. Sir Hawara brought Stanley around to the back and then lit a torch and handed it to him. He pointed to a space just a few inches wide between two enormous stone blocks. Remember, find the scrolls and then unlock the tomb. No dilly-dallying. Stanley stared at the dark slot between the stones. He didn't think it looked like a place he would want to be dilly-dallying. That means being pokey and slow, not moving quickly. Dilly-dallying, in fact. He didn't think it looked like a place he would want to do anything in. But he reminded himself that this was an important archaeological expedition. And a promise was a promise. He took a deep breath and wedged himself into the passageway. Three inches is not very much room to get around in. Stanley had to half wriggle and half slide as he took little sideway hops just to inch along slowly. After many twists and turns in the deepest darkness, he heard a leathery flapping. 
He felt a rush of wind, as if from a great many wings. He held up his torch, and then, out of the gloom, bats, hundreds of them, thousands, perhaps. Stanley had disturbed a whole colony of bats, and they were coming right for him. He felt himself break into a cold sweat and a new set of goose discs. As the bats approached, Stanley leaped up and pressed himself against the stone wall, and he stuck there. The goose discs on his arms and legs, in combination with the cold sweat, had become little suction cups. Stanley hung perfectly still, pressed tight to the pyramid wall like a starfish until the entire flock of bats had passed by. Then, as his fear subsided, that means went away, the little goose's suction cups let go one by one, thwop, 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 and he slipped gently to the ground again. Stanley was badly shaken, but he knew he must go on. He took one sideways step and then another and another. Just as he was beginning to give up hope of ever finding the tomb, the passageway opened up into an arched entryway. Stanley held up his torch and he gasped. He had been in several extremely fancy elevators before, so he was no stranger to beautiful places. But this was something else indeed. Bejeweled carvings of dogs and snakes guarded the entryway. Gilded urns lined the walls. In the center of the room sat a large casket made of gold, and on top of that lay a life-sized alabaster statue of King Kafuffle. There was no doubt about it. Stanley had discovered the tomb of the great pharaoh, and flanking the coffin on either side were golden pedestals with two enormous scrolls. He had done it! He had found the priceless giant scrolls of papyrus. Now, to find the secret exit, Stanley stepped into the tomb and began to search. The walls were covered with hieroglyphics and beautiful painted scenes, but there was no door. The only thing that seemed out of place was a large button at the far end of the tomb. The button seemed strangely to call to him, as if it were saying, Press me, press me. Stanley did, and a panel swung open to reveal a full-sized passageway. Stanley stepped out to explore and held up his torch. Surely this was the passage Sir Hawara had talked about, the one the burial party must have used. But the passageway split just ahead, and from there Stanley could see that each branch split again. How would he know which way to go to get out? And then he noticed something. At each intersection, a life-sized hieroglyph was painted on the wall. What if they were painted facing a certain way to give directions, like the ones in the National Museum? Chapter 6. A Bad Surprise Stanley closed the tomb's door behind him and set off, following the hieroglyphs at every branch. Before long, he came to another button on the wall, just like the one in the tomb. He pressed it, and once again, a large panel, a huge block of stone, swung open. Stanley stepped outside into the fresh air. Sir Hawara and his guards came rushing over when they saw Stanley. Well, Sir Hawara demanded, 
hopping on one foot and then the other. The scrolls? Stanley told him. I found them. Suddenly, he felt quite proud. He had located the priceless giant scrolls of papyrus, and now he was safely outside in the warm sunshine. It had all been worth it, and I found the passageway out. There are lots of branches in this passageway, but all you have to do is follow the black hieroglyphs to get out. Excellent, excellent, Sir Hawara rubbed his hands together. I must get the crew ready. Meet me back here in the morning. At daybreak, we take the scrolls. He climbed onto his camel and rode away, leaving Stanley bewildered. That means confused. Just then, he felt a tug at his shirt. He turned to find Amisi there, glaring at him. She said, That's who you've been working with? That's the worst looter of Egyptian treasures in the country. My father and I have been trying to catch him red-handed for years. I guess I was wrong about you. And she stomped off. Stanley didn't know what to think. He climbed back onto his camel and followed Sir Hawara's party back to the bazaar. He was going to find out just what was going on. Back at Sir Hawara's headquarters, henchmen were everywhere. Stanley eased himself into the shadows and sneaked around to the back. He lifted the tent flap and he peeked inside. It was even darker and smokier than before. Stanley took a deep breath of nice, fresh air out from outside. Then, using the limberness he had developed by slipping under his bedroom door at home, Stanley slipped under the flap. Sir Hawara was on his cushion, talking in a very low voice. Cautiously, Stanley crept closer so he could hear. What's that? In the shadows, a guard jumped up, pointing towards Stanley. Oh, there was no place to hide. Stanley plastered himself against a large container standing upright behind him and froze. Sir Hawara said, Oh, it's nothing, clapping his hands for silence. Just the sarcophagus. It's a very realistic painting on the cover. Quite a find. Now, pay attention to my plans. Stanley held himself perfectly still and listened with a keen ear. That means listened very closely. Tomorrow... We send the flat boy into the tomb to unlock it for us. We take the scrolls and pack them onto a plane I will have waiting. We'll be out of there before anyone is the wiser. Those scrolls will fetch a fortune. I'll be rich, rich, rich. And the beauty of it all is that no one will ever know they existed. Stanley thought, so Amisi was right. They were looters. That means robbers, who were sneakier than the worst sneak thieves. And Stanley was helping them steal one of Egypt's greatest treasures. Stanley peeled himself off the sarcophagus quietly and slid back under the tent. Then he made his way to the National Historical Museum and climbed the steps. The least he could do was admit to Amisi and her father what he had done, by mistake, of course. The entryway was crowded with tourists. Immediately, Stanley found himself squashed in the center of a particularly careless group. After a moment, through a tangle of arms and cameras, he saw Amisi and her father come in. They passed right by him. What about a very light bulletin board? He heard Amisi's father say. What about a map? 
I don't think so, Father, Amici replied. Besides, I think that bulletin board flattened his brains. Wait until I tell you what I just found out. Stanley worked himself free from the crowd and hurried after Amici and her father. He caught up with them, and at the curator's office, he called out. Amici turned and frowned at him. Then she slammed the door shut. Somehow, Stanley felt even flatter than before. As flat as the hieroglyph painted on the wall beside him. And then he had an idea. An idea that just might work. Stanley ran to the main desk and scribbled a note. Please give this to the curator, he said. It is urgent. Thank you very much. Remember, urgent means it's an emergency. Then he went back to the Antiquities Bazaar planning his plan. The sky was growing dark. Stanley let himself into the camel's pen, and there he made a bed for himself by placing a stack of saddle blankets on a mound of straw and then layering himself into the stack. He closed his eyes, remembering that his parents insisted he and Arthur get a good night's sleep every evening. Suddenly, Stanley missed his family very much, He wondered what they had been doing while he had been gone. Were they playing Monopoly, looking at pictures of their last family vacation to Mount Rushmore? Without him, Stanley's stomach grumbled with hunger. What had his family had for dinner that night? Ooh, he thought of meatloaf and mashed potatoes, his favorite, with apple crisp for dessert, maybe. Beside him, a camel grunted and snorted. If he were at home, Arthur would be sleeping in the bed next to him right now. Arthur sometimes grunted and snorted in his sleep, too. But Arthur smelled better than a camel, thought Stanley fondly, as he fell asleep. Chapter 7. Sneaky Plans The next morning, Stanley awoke to more hand-clapping. Sir Hawara was gathering his crew outside the camel's pen. Stanley lay between his blankets, thinking he had had just about enough of all that hand-clapping. He wondered why someone hadn't told Sir Hawara how rude it was. As Stanley lay there thinking, he wasn't paying attention. He hadn't noticed that one of Sir Hawara's henchmen had come into the pen. The man grabbed the stack of blankets Stanley was lying in and started piling them on the camels. And before Stanley could scramble out, the guard threw a saddle over the blankets and helped Sir Hawara onto it. And so, just as the sun was rising, Sir Hawara and a large group of his men took off for the Pyramid of Kafuffle, with Stanley along for the ride. If I hadn't been flattened already, Stanley thought, this would do the trick. As they rode along, Sir Hawara continued to discuss his sneaky plan with his men. With each thing he overheard, Stanley felt worse. We'll take everything, not just the scrolls. We'll pick that tomb clean as a lamb chop bone. Speaking of lamb chop bones, what about that flat boy? Stanley heard someone ask. He knows about the scrolls. What if he tells? Don't worry about him, Sir Hawara answered. Once he's unlocked the tomb, we don't need him anymore. We'll just seal him up in there. He can rot in that tomb for eternity with the mummies, and no one will ever know. Locked inside a tomb with the mummies to rot for eternity? How he would miss his family. How he would miss his friends at school. 
even the mean ones like Emma Weeks. Stanley hoped that Amici's father had gotten his note. The caravan stopped at the base of the pyramid, and everyone hurried off. Stanley worked his way out from under the blankets and followed them around to the back of the pyramid. Oh, there you are, Sir Hawara said, handing him a torch. Now, just like last time, open the door from inside for us. Got it? Stanley nodded, took the torch, and squeezed himself into the narrow slot. He worked his way along the passageway as quickly as he could and re-entered the tomb. Inside, he stopped at the base of the pharaoh's coffin. Try not to worry, he said out loud. If my plan goes well, they won't be gone for long. Stanley felt a little silly talking to a statue. But in the gloom, it almost looked as if the statue were smiling back at him. Stanley pressed the button again, unlocking the tomb. And there, waiting in the main passageway, were Sir Hawara and his men, laden with carts and boxes. Stanley put on his biggest smile as the crew rushed in. Just remember, follow the hieroglyphs to get out. Chapter 8 The Hieroglyph Sir Hawara's crew rushed into the pharaoh's tomb, nearly knocking Stanley over in its excitement from the passageway. Stanley could hear them exclaim over the treasures. Sir Hawara ordered them to start stripping the tomb. If it's gold, take all you can hold. Take everything you can carry. This guy's been dead for 4,000 years. He won't miss anything. Follow the hieroglyphs and start loading the plane. It was time. Stanley extinguished his torch and covered himself all over with the soot. He whispered Sir Hara's chilling words to himself. We'll just leave him to rot for the mummies for eternity, and felt himself break out into goose discs. He felt a cold sweat grow over them. And then he leaped up to the wall and froze there, stuck. Sir Hawara's crew ran out of the tomb, loaded with treasures. Sir Hawara shone his flashlight along the walls of the passageway. His beam fell upon Stanley. There's one, he called. Funny looking thing, but it's just like that flat kid said. It's pointing the way. Come on! He and his men rushed out in the wrong direction. Stanley slipped down from the wall and made his way to the exit. As he stepped outside, he was delighted to see Amici and her father waiting. We've brought the police just as you asked, Amici said. But what's this all about? Stanley directed the police officers. Go on in. I think you'll find this pyramid is loaded with looting looters. Loaded with loot. And that is exactly what they did find. After a few moments, the officers began to come out of the pyramid with Sir Hawara and his henchmen and the stolen artifacts. Caught red-handed at last, Amici and her father cried. Stanley was especially happy to see Sir Hawara in handcuffs. There would be no more hand-clapping from him for a while. Soon, there was a big crowd around Stanley. So smart, so brave, so flat. People marveled when they found out the story. In the middle of the commotion, Amici gave Stanley a hug. I was wrong when I said I was wrong about you, she said. Stanley felt himself blush bright red. He wondered how he hadn't noticed it before. 
Amici was very pretty. Amici's father came over and took a picture of the two of them with his instant camera. He gave the picture to Stanley and said, So you'll always remember your visit. Then he shook Stanley's hand. You have captured Egypt's worst looter and saved the priceless giant scrolls of papyrus. Egypt's debt to you is enormous. How can we ever repay you? Say the word. Whatever reward you'd like is yours. Before Stanley could answer, the little celebration was disturbed by a group of tourists. They were laughing and pointing at Stanley's camel. Look at the shape of that animal, Marge, cried one man. Absolutely ridiculous. Stanley knew too well how it felt to be poked fun of because of one's shape. Hey, he called back, patting his camel. We don't get to choose what we look like. Stanley could almost hear his mother's voice. Hay is for horses, not people, she would remind him if she were here now. She always was one for proper language. Or, if she really were here in Egypt, she would probably say, Hay is for camels. She was also always one to appreciate her surroundings. Suddenly, Stanley missed his family again, even more than the night before. Could you please just mail me back to America, he asked Amishi's father. Certainly, Amishi's father replied. Let's go inside and get you wrapped up now. The words made Stanley remember something. Just one more thing, please, he said. And then he asked Amishi's and her father for a favor. Chapter 9 A Package for Arthur Back at the Lamb Chop residence, or home, George Lamb Chop arrived home from work early. The office is being repainted, he explained to his wife. Just as well. I wasn't getting much done. I keep wondering how Stanley's doing. He picked up the mail in the hall. Say, Harriet, he cried. There's a large package here from Egypt. Do you think? Yes, I know, Mrs. Lamb Chop said. For a moment I was so excited... I thought our dear boy was back, but it's addressed to Arthur, not to us. I think Stanley has only sent a souvenir home early. I imagine you're right, Mr. Lambchop said, disappointed. Besides, the package is just lying there quietly. That couldn't be Stanley. Just then, Arthur came home from school. Mr. Lambchop noticed he looked very glum indeed. That means sad. How about a game of Monopoly, Mr. Lambchop offered. Or walk in the park to watch the sailboats. Arthur shook his head. It wouldn't be the same without Stanley here. Nothing's the same without Stanley here, he sighed. Well, this might cheer you up. Mr. Lambchop handed Arthur the package. He and Mrs. Lambchop watched as their son, Arthur, opened it. All three of them cried out in shock as a mummy sprang from the package. The mummy began reeling stiff-legged around the living room. Mrs. Lambchop almost fainted. Mr. Lambchop prepared himself to protect whomever might need protecting. Arthur stared with his mouth open, and then he started to laugh. This mummy is a little flat. Mr. and Mrs. Lambchop stepped closer to look for themselves. It was true. Even under all the wrappings, it was clear there was something oddly shaped about this mummy. Start unwrapping at once, called Mr. Lambchop. And so they did. Finally, 
after unwinding what seemed like miles of linen strips, there stood their own dear boy, Stanley. What a surprise! There was great rejoicing and many hearty congratulations on Stanley's clever trick. Everyone talked at once. We'll remember that for a long time. (laughs) And to think you were right under our noses all afternoon. How did you ever manage to stay so still? Then Mrs. Lambchop remembered she had dinner cooking. Come to the table while it's still hot, please. Over meatloaf and mashed potatoes, being careful not to talk with his mouthful, Stanley told about his adventure. At the part about Sir Hawara's plan to leave Stanley in the tomb, oh, Mrs. Lambchop turned quite pale. She held her husband's hand for strength. But otherwise, everyone was quite delighted with the story. Many, many times they exclaimed about how clever and how brave Stanley had been. After the apple crisp was finished, seconds all around, Mrs. Lambchop decided the family had had enough excitement for one day, and she said, Time for bed! Stanley was very happy to see his old bedroom with his spaceship lamp and his striped pajamas neatly folded on top of his soft pillow, just as he had left it. It's good to be back, he told Arthur. Then he remembered the photograph Amishi's father had taken. He pinned it up on his bulletin board. Stanley told his brother, That's Amishi. What do you think of her? I think, Arthur looked at the photograph, very puzzled. I think she's a girl. Stanley got into bed and turned out the light. That's what I think too, Arthur, he said. He smiled in the dark. The end. Now, boys and girls, I hope you enjoyed that story. Quite a stretch of the imagination, but it was interesting. Here's some things you need to know to be an Egyptologist or someone who specializes in Egyptian history. Egypt is in Africa, and its capital, Cairo, is the biggest city on the whole continent. The Nile River, which runs through Egypt, might be the longest river in the world. It depends how you measure. Some people think the Amazon River is a little bit longer. But you remember Amisi mentioning the Nile River? You could Google a map of Africa and locate Egypt on the map. You could also see the Nile River and the Great Pyramid of Giza is the only one of the seven wonders of the ancient world that is still standing. It is built from more than two million blocks that each weigh as much as a pickup truck. Ancient Egyptian hieroglyphic writing includes about 800 symbols. The English alphabet has only 26 symbols. Ancient Egyptians mummified important people after they died by wrapping them in strips of cloth. The oldest known mummy is more than 5,000 years old. Also, much of Egypt is covered by the Sahara Desert, which is the biggest sandy desert on Earth. You can locate that on the map, too. Well, this is Miss Jones signing off. Until next time, remember... You could get this book at your local library, or you can get it at a Scholastic Book Fair or wherever you buy books. Again, the title is Flat Stanley's 
Worldwide Adventures, The Great Egyptian Grave Robbery, written by Sarah Pennypacker, with pictures by Mackie Pamentong, published by Scholastic Incorporated, by arrangement with HarperCollins Children's Books in 2009. Stay safe, stay healthy, and be happy.